Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This is the word of the Lord. Again, good morning and welcome. I'm so glad that you are here at the Olympia campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. Uh, it's good to be together as we uh, continue our time uh, studying the gospel of Matthew and these difficult words from Jesus. Okay, so... I've, I've grown convinced um, in my, my years as a pastor, and particularly it seems like even more recently, um, I'm convinced that sometimes like near terrible things happen to me, uh, just so you all will pay attention for like three minutes. So, so you're welcome or, or whatever. So last week, it's a great setup, right? La- last week, uh, I was on a bike ride. I, I uh, love uh, getting out on my road bike. I'm not like a, a serious cyclist. Um, but I, I certainly enjoy it when, when I have the opportunity. And I'm, I'm on a route in which I have, I've been on countless times. 119th Street, under K7, uh, towards the big uh, hill with the waterfall, right? Towards Forest View. Um, you, you know, I think we've got a little map here uh, for you. You can see it. Um, been on it countless times. And you can either, you know, sometimes I'll go, I'll go left up the hill towards Forest View. Uh, and, and other times I... I will uh, go straight, which veers off, off to the right. On this particular day, I'm going to go straight. Um, and, and again, I've done this countless times. And so I, you know, I get past plenty. It's a busy, busy section of road. It's wide lanes. It's not a big deal. Um, and every car that ever passes me always does one of two things. Always, without exception. They either turn left up the hill towards Forest View or they continue straight. Those are the options, that's it. Never has there ever been any variation thereof, okay? And on this particular ride, I'm already sort of like lost in thought. This just kind of happens to me. Um, It's deep thoughts with Nathan um, on these bike rides. And so I'm kind of in my own little special place, right? And everything around me is just sort of superficial. Um, And uh, it's a shorter ride. This is going somewhere, by the way. Uh, It's a shorter ride. So I'm really, I'm pushing it, right? I, I want this, I want it to count, Okay, and I don't know if you know what this is about me, but I have amazing legs. Okay, um, <laughs> it's true, uh, and it's downhill. Wind is to my back. I am going 35 miles per hour on my itty bitty traction free road bike tires. You know the little like skinny ones, right? But you look at it and think, why would anybody? Yeah, those. Okay, and so a car a car passes me. Um, and, you know, I don't think anything of it. It's just part of the, part of the deal. And, and it, I see that it's slowing down. It's turning, turning left up the hill. Uh, not, a, not a big deal, right? Um, you know, my brain registers no action required. I'm just going to, it's going to turn. I'm going to zoom on. And then my brain registers some new information. The car doesn't turn. It stops. Stops! What I can't see on the curve is that, you know, the other car way down the way coming the other direction, preventing the car from turning, which again, it never happens. And so the car is stopped and it happens to also be hugging the curb, right? Just sort of conveniently. 
And listen, I mean, I, could, I can tell you, like, I have spent years uh, worrying that a car is going to hit me um, on my bike. Never once have I really considered that I might do the hitting, right? At least, at least not like this. So, so, okay, so you're picturing the scene, right? I, I have literally one second to make a decision. Like, that's, that's how fast I'm going. That's how close, how close I am. One second. I've already, I mean, slammed on the brakes, right? That just sort of happens. Um, and, and there's just no way I'm possibly going to stop on, on those tires going that fast. It's not, not going to happen, okay? Uh, and, and so I'm braking. I'm, I'm, I'm skidding at a 45-degree angle now as my rear tire begins to catch up with my, my front tire. And I'm just hoping I don't, I don't roll because that's, like, that's probably worst-case scenario. And so I've got, I've got one second before, you know, death or dismemberment. Um, not sure which is worse in that scenario. Um, and it's sort of like slow-mo. Like, you know those moments of, just, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like, this is what happens. Like, I'm beginning to think through my options, okay? I, I think I've got three options in this scenario, in this one second of, of choice. I can, I can slide on the pavement the remaining 30 feet until I hit the back tires of the car, um, knowing that if I do, I mean, it, it'll peel me like a potato, right? Um, like, I won't have any skin left on one side of my body. Option number two uh, is just to, like, just hit the back of the car, right? Um, but at that speed, I'm going to be on top or in front of the car, right? At that point, my helmet is wearing me for protection, right? <laughs> or, I mean, they're hugging that curb, but there's just, there's, a, there's about a, maybe a foot and a half right there. And I, I can just go for it, ping pong style, right? Um, and I'm, I'm imagining if I do that, bloody and mangled, bouncing back and forth between the curb and this like really nice car, right? Um, and, and just hoping that I, I, stay, I stay upright in the middle of that. Sweet Jesus, right? Um, it's like, you know, either, either spare me or take me home quickly. Um, those aren't, I did pray. Those aren't the words I said. I'm not going to repeat those words. Um, <laughs> me and Jesus got really real uh, in, that, in that one second of time. Now, okay, given the scenario... Obviously, you go with ping pong style because there at least you have a chance, right? And so I just go for it, right? And I hit the curb and I'm like kind of bouncing back and forth onto the curb. I stay upright. I never even touch the car and just zoom on past like a bat out of hell. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that, that driver, I mean, he, he, there had, yeah, he had to mess himself. I mean, it was, it was that, and honestly... Like, if you're here this morning, because I know we have a lot of folks who live in that area, um, let me just, I'm, my bad, okay? I'm sorry. Um, that, was, that was awful. And I, I mean, I can tell you, like, I have, I have jumped out of a plane before, but never before have I had this sort of, this kind of adrenaline rush, this in, intense sense of panic. I didn't know on the other side whether to cry or throw up or, or go play the lottery, right? <laughs> and, I, and truthfully, I've, I've been thanking God ever since. But I learned a really important lesson that day. Exercise is stupid, right? <laughs> Stay inside. No, of course not. And I've already been back on that same route twice, um, trembling the entire time. Um, no, here's what I learned. I want to live. And I really, 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 really want to avoid pain. I, I want my life to be as good and simple and safe and easy and comfortable as it can possibly be. In fact, I mean, it, it got me thinking, like, how much of my life do I spend either trying to pursue my own definition of happiness 
or, or avoid pain? Like, what do you think? I don't know, like 90%, right? And the other 10% is just trying to figure out how to not die, right? I mean, that, that's what we do. And then Jesus, right? The, what he says here, it's like, really? He throws it all upside down. Like, if you were listening, every, he reverses all of it with him. With him, if you don't learn to die, you'll never learn to live. If you don't learn to die to yourself, to your ego, to your attitude, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, and even actual literal death, if you don't learn how to die, you'll never learn how to live, at least, at least not a life that's truly meaningful. Now, we've, we've been on this path with Matthew for quite some time, right? Studying this, this firsthand account of the life of Jesus. We're in Matthew chapter 16 at the very end uh, today. Again, we already heard the words, but, but here, right, today, Jesus reveals to them and to us that he came to suffer, that, that he is going to die, and that anyone who wants to belong with him has got to do the same. And as much as I would love to find a little bit of wiggle room in what Jesus says, he really couldn't be any clearer. If you want to learn to live, you have to learn how to die. And so he's going to teach us how. Three lessons on learning to die. Sounds great, right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 16 towards the end. So kind of keep the context in mind. If you're here last week, Jesus had just told his disciples, just right in these immediate verses. In fact, this is really one story essentially. Um, but he had just told them that he's going to build his church, his people, and that the gates of hell are not going to stop it. Like even his death, our death, nothing can stop what he is doing with his people. All of this which leads then, most scholars would agree that this then is one of the major turning points in the gospel of Matthew. In verse, verse 21, you see that there. From that time, right, it's a marker in the, in the text. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised like, Jesus knows where his story is going, right? Don't ever think, like, Jesus is caught off guard, right? He surprises him. He kind of messed up on the whole Messiah thing, right? He knows where it's, where it's headed. Suffering and death is part of his story. And yet he keeps marching towards it. And this is huge. I mean, think about this for the disciples. You and I, I mean, let's be honest. We're just used to the fact that Jesus died, right? We expect the Messiah to die. I mean, that's... that's why else? But look at it from their perspective. Like they literally have just sort of barely figured out, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Those were the last words, right? Right out of Peter's mouth just a few verses earlier. They've seen him do incredible things, right? They've heard him do these amazing things. All of which cry out power, triumph, victory. Oh yeah, but I'm gonna suffer and then I'm going to die. And then I'll come back to life again. And they didn't even have a category for anyone coming back to life, right? It wouldn't have made sense for them in that, in that moment for them to hear that. And Peter, who, I mean, you've got to admit, if you've been with us lately, he's sort of been crushing it as a disciple, right? Like, he's got MVP written all over him. And he actually... When he hears this, 
He pulls Jesus aside, kind of like your dad like pulls you aside to tell you to knock it off. Peter does that to Jesus, right? I mean, literally, that's, that's what Matthew says. He pulls him aside. Says, Jesus, what are you talking about? You, you can't say this. That, that will never happen to you. Never, ever. Don't even think about it. Don't even talk about it. It's not going to happen. And that's, of course, when Jesus calls Peter the devil. Um, kind of a low point for Peter, right? And I kind of feel, don't you feel for him, right? Like he's just trying to be optimistic. Like Jesus is going to be fine, right? We got this. You're who you are, right? We don't have anything, anything to worry about. He's, he's doing everything that you would think a Messiah's wingman ought to be doing in this moment. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That escalated quickly. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I realized, right, that maybe you're like, Jesus, cool your jets, right? Why, why, why are you so upset in this moment? We, we, don't, we don't understand the context because we've forgotten the story. But this, think back earlier on in Matthew, this is exactly what Satan tried to convince Jesus to do. Do you remember the temptation in the wilderness? If you, if you were here with us, right? he says, you know, Satan says to Jesus, you know, you can have power without suffering. I'll give it to you. You can have fame without the cross. I will make that happen for you. And so even though Peter, I'm, I'm sure he's got good intentions here. This is, this is a flashback for Jesus. He's trying to talk Jesus out of the cross. He's trying to convince him to, to write a different story. He doesn't want it the way it is. And so here's the, here's the first lesson on learning how to die. You have to know the right story. You have to know the right story. Because Peter wants a story without pain, uh, without fear, without suffering, without the cross, without death, right? And who can blame him? That's the story all of us crave, right? We want that kind of story. The trouble is, it's, it's the wrong story. Uh, one, one example of this, trying to think through, like, what is it like for Peter to, to have these expectations for Jesus? Um, I thought of two movies, uh, two great films, love these movies, um, Sound of Music and Saving Private Ryan. Both about World War II, the Holocaust. I mean, essentially, they sort of tell the same story. I love that movie poster, Sound of Music, there. We actually have that one hanging in our house because it just makes World War II look so fun, doesn't it? Like, like they had to be the best. So, you know, in Sound of Music, it's, it's got laughter and dancing and, and music and the hills are alive, right? And it's, it's rated G and all of that. And, you know, Saving Private Ryan has none of those things, right? And Peter, Peter thought life with Jesus should be the Sound of Music version. And sadly, I am convinced, so do most American Christians. We worship painlessness. We, we think, we actually deeply believe in the fiber of our beings, right? That life should be easy, comfortable. It should be centered on me. It should make me happy at every turn. Everything I want should come my way. We, right? We actually believe that. So much so that when junk happens, we actually accuse God. 
I mean, I can't help but wonder, what would have happened to my faith if I'd broken my neck last Wednesday? What story are you trying to live? Because we're like Peter, aren't we? Except we, we may have a category for a suffering Christ, but we do not have a very robust category of a suffering Christian. Certainly not of a, of a suffering me. And yet, if you notice what Jesus says, right? He actually refers to his death and suffering, all the pain that comes with it. He calls it the things of God. Oh, wait a second. Death, death is the enemy, right? Suffering is an imposter. None of it belongs on God's good earth, all of, all of which is true. And yet, sometimes God uses it in our life, just as he did with Jesus, to bring about his redemptive purposes. This week in my devotions, I think it was on Wednesday, I'm reading this, this little devotional book, and um, I really needed this sentence. Let me read it for you. It fits right here. It hurt a little bit, but he said, Paul Tripp, he's writing, he says, yes, your life is messy and hard, but that is not a failure of the plan. That is the plan. It's God working to complete what he's begun in you. But when we confuse the stories, you know, expecting life to be easy, happy, comfortable, safe, or frankly demanding that it be those things. When we confuse the stories, not only does Jesus refer to it as demonically evil, get behind me, Satan. We set ourselves up for complete disaster. I mean, just think about that. Like if, if that's your goal, right? If you live your life uh, simply trying to, to squeeze out as much happiness as possible and to avoid as much pain, if that, if that is your existence and everything you do is centered around those two things, as let's be honest, it is for most of us, most of the time, if that's what it is, here's the deal. You're still gonna suffer because everybody does. The world is broken and it's gonna come and it's gonna hurt. The problem is if your goal has been other, otherwise, when you suffer, it's gonna feel completely meaningless. You're not going to have a category for it. It's going, to, it's going to catch you off guard, right? You're going to feel like it's an interruption to the plan, not somehow a way through the plan for, for something, something better and something real. And you'll end up trying to rebuke Jesus over it. And you'll miss the story that God is telling. A story in which, yes, suffering is real and terrible, and Jesus never would minimize any of that or the pain that we experience. Of course not. But it's also a story in which suffering is, is, is answered, redeemed, and ultimately overcome. Which story are you trying to live? If you want to live, you have to learn how to die. Okay, so those verses essentially just ruin Peter's expectations for Jesus' life. The next verses ruin Peter's expectations for his own life. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to be a Christian, Jesus says, if anybody wants to take, take me seriously, he says, then here's what you do. Deny yourself, your needs, your desires, your comfort, your ego, your safety, your hopes, your dreams, et cetera, et cetera. Deny yourself, pick up your own cross, which is not a metaphor or a necklace or decoration. It's the cruelest form of torture and execution ever invented. Grab one of those 
and come with. Come die with me. I mean, expecting to suffer is bad enough, but willingly denying ourselves? I mean, are you kidding me, right? We don't deny ourselves anything. I mean, when's the last time? I mean, think about it. Like, when's the last time you've really said no to yourself? It might take a little while, right? It's crazy, isn't it? We don't, we don't deny ourselves. I mean, that's not, that's not very American, right? It's, it's not, that's not our way. It's not how we do things. In fact, we go the opposite. Self-denial for us, that's, I mean, that is repressive. That is moralistic. What about personal freedom and self-expression? Like, those are our highest values as a people, aren't they? And then we notice the rates of substance abuse, right? I've seen way too many families destroyed. Or gambling addictions, video game addictions, Facebook, you know, TV, sports, you name it, we can become addicted to it. The way our, our eating habits destroy our bodies, right? Because we just, we don't say no oftentimes. Cataclysmic consumer debt. Incredibly high rates and, and always growing of, of oppression against women and abuse, right? Pornography, sexual abuse, rape, unwanted pregnancies, abortion, kids without dads, divorce rates. At least we're not repressive. Yay, freedom. Really? I mean, people, that's not, that's not freedom. That's an uglier version of slavery. That's, that's not life. That's a worse kind of death. Jesus says real life, the better life, the life you long for. Deny yourself and come and, come and die with me. Which leads us to the second Lesson of learning to die so that we'll know how to live. Lesson number two. Death is to be practiced daily. Death is to be practiced daily. I can feel at this point like you all hate this sermon as much as I do. Um, these are hard words, aren't they? And let me just be very, very clear here. As I, um, I'm talking to myself here too. Believe me, I see the inadequacy. Man, I, I need to learn these lessons. I think, I think honestly the reason why God has me do this three times uh, is because I need it so badly. Um, practice death daily, which means, which means life is meant to get harder, not easier. You have to actually kill the assumption that if I just build a big enough reservoir of happiness with a big enough fence around it to keep myself safe, then my life will be, it'll be okay. That's just, it's just not how it works. I, I love how Indy Wilson summarizes it. He's known more for his, uh, his writing, uh, like children's books, kind of like YA um, books. Actually, his recent article in The Atlantic um, on why he writes scary stories for kids. It's one of my favorites. I put it on our church Facebook page. I love it because um, it kind of like justifies the fact that I just love reading scary stories to my kids. Um, go, find, go find the article. It's, it's actually really brilliant. Uh, but I love, I love what he says in his book, Death by Living. Listen to this. It's so simple, but man, listen. He says, the truth is that a life well-lived is always lived on a rising scale of difficulty. 
A life well lived always gets harder, he says. Which I think has got to be about the opposite of everything I've ever believed, right? I mean, it's always been like, well, once I get to high school, life will be better. Well, okay. Once I get to college, well, okay. Uh, once I, I get my first job, then, then, or no, okay. Once, once, I, once I get married, oh, once I have kids, oh, no. Uh, once the kids are older, right? And, and then it's, no, once the kids are much older or out of the house or, or I have more help or, or, you know, I get to retire or whatever. And we keep saying, well, eventually. And we know it's ridiculous, right? Because our track record is, is, shows us that that's never true in our experience. And yet we think that's the way it ought to be. And we're frustrated and disappointed when it isn't. I mean, the reality is like a good video game, life only gets harder. And the stakes get higher and the need for practice becomes even more important. Practice dying. Take up your cross. Ask yourself. Ask yourself, where do I need to die today? Where? Where do you need a little death in your life? Now, of course, Jesus doesn't mean that we arbitrarily choose terrible things, right? Like, we don't purposely choose, like, suffering or really hard stuff or because it makes us better or more spiritual. Of course not. Jesus isn't saying that. But we embrace it when it comes. And even, even more than that, we gladly, as is, we gladly say no to things, even things we love, for things we, we know are better. We, we, say, we say no to, to things that, that we know are, are unnecessary, even, even good things. We say no so that we can say yes to something bigger, something more lasting, something more real in our lives, something that will, that will outlast us or at least outlast these 80 years. And I know, I know when I say no to me and yes to him, and those of you who have done this, right, you know it, right? It feels like death, doesn't it? It's not easy to say no. That's okay. I need the practice. Again, quoting Indy Wilson. It's a little bit longer here. He says, lay your life down. Your heartbeats cannot be hoarded. Your reservoir of breaths is draining away. You have hands, blister them all you can. You have bones, make them strain. They can carry nothing in the grave. You have lungs, let them spill with laughter. In my remaining hours, I could be smiling or scowling rejoicing in my life in this race, in this story, or moaning and complaining about my troubles. I can be giving my fingers, my back, my mind, my words, my breaths to my wife and my children and my neighbors. Or I can grasp after the vapor and the vanity for myself, dragging my feet, afraid to die, and therefore afraid to live. And like Adam, I will still die in the end. Hmm. If you want to live... You have to learn to die. Practice regularly. Okay, and if you are, if, you, if you're really living this life, his life, if this, this is your pursuit, what he's talking about here, then friends, you cannot miss this, this, last, this last thing that Jesus gets to because without this last one, these other two are just ridiculous. I mean, you just feel like, why would anybody ever, but this, this last thing Jesus gets at. Lesson number three, don't forget this. 
Lesson number three, there are worse things than dying. There are worse things than the moment your heart stops beating and your breath ceases and your brain functions shut down and you're lowered into the grave. There are are worse things than that. Yes, death is the enemy. And just like suffering, death is is an imposter in God's good world. It doesn't belong here. And yet, look at at verse 25. Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? The whole world! (laughs) And forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father... And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Like, so what if everything looks great? Big deal. So, so what if on the outside it looks like you have the perfect family? Like, if it's soulless inside, like, geez, like who cares? So what if you have a bigger house than most of your friends, the people you know, right? Or a bigger bank account? He's like, who cares if it's, if it's fruitless? Who cares if you have this endless list of pleasures or accomplishments or stuff that you own, right? Who cares if it's meaningless? Death will end all of this. And worse than dying? Is dying empty? It reminds me of this, uh, this great duel between good and evil. Um the battle between Dumbledore and he who must not be named. I'm sorry. I'm going, eventually, I'm going to finish reading the series to my kids, and then you'll, you'll miss it, actually. You know you will. Um, but until then, there's going to be a lot of Harry Potter. Because um, there's so many parallels, right? And so you think the ultimate good versus ultimate evil. And this, this is in book five. They have this sort of duel, this, this argument, this fight. And he who must not be named cries out, right? He says, you do not, you do not seek to kill me, Dumbledore? His scarlet eyes narrowed over the top of the shield. Above such brutality are you? We both know that there are other ways of destroying a man, Dumbledore said calmly, continuing to walk toward Voldemort as though he had not a fear in the world. Merely taking your life would not satisfy me. There is nothing worse than death, Dumbledore. You are quite wrong, he said still closing in upon Voldemort and speaking as lightly as though they were discussing the matter over drinks. Indeed, your failure to understand that there are things much worse than death has always been your greatest weakness. It's also been my greatest weakness. At least one of them. I mean, here's, here's the thing. If I'm, if I'm honest with you, I live the majority of my life as if this is it. 80 years, that's all I got. Better grab onto as much of it as I possibly can because if I miss out, then it's over, right? And so all of my hopes, dreams, every, everything I've longed for for me or for my, my family or for this place, I mean, every, I've got to grab it now before it's too late and I'm almost halfway there already. I gotta get it. And yeah, okay, yes, theologically, up here, I believe I'm going to live forever, right? That Jesus is going to come back. He's going to make this world right. And we, we will live in a world where everything wrong has, is made right, right? Where every sacrifice is restored. Every heartache will be healed. I believe that. Most of you believe that. 
and it makes almost no difference whatsoever. At least most of the time. Because I'm convinced death, it's, gotta, it's the worst. It's the end, and I've got, I've got to get everything now before it's too late. And so he, here's the question that haunts us, I think. Am I living as if this is it? Or am I living as if I will actually live forever in a world that's perfect and whole and restored, where I am perfect and whole and restored, that will never end, and where this is, this is just a moment in light of what's to come. I mean, do I actually believe that our suffering, our suffering as humans will end one day? That every sacrifice will actually be worth it? That, that I'm not missing out on anything. I'm simply being patient. Do, do we actually, actually believe that everything done in his name for his kingdom will not go unfinished? And, and that I can, I can give myself away, every part of who I am, everything that I own, even to the point of my own life, I, I can give it away knowing that I will receive far, much, far, far more in return. Can I, can I stare death in the face without flinching? knowing that if I lose my life, I just might find it. Friends, I wish my faith was that strong. I wish my belief in what was to come pervaded and transformed every ounce of who I am. And I know if I, if I don't learn to die, I'll never learn to live. But I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I find at least a tiny bit of hope knowing Peter's story. Because Peter here, he didn't get it either, right? I mean, not even close. He's, he is completely lost in this moment. I mean, so much so, I mean, he, he so badly doesn't want to suffer or die or, or, or be crucified. And, you know, every one of us can totally relate to that. But, you know, like, if you know his story, he ends up denying Jesus three times in Jesus' hour of greatest need. Jesus' closest friend on earth. And he's like, I don't know who he is. Never met him. Jesus, who, right? I mean, it's like, no, he just completely rejects him. And still Jesus dies for him. Because Jesus, Jesus knows that's why he came, right? That, that the only way for him to be able to save Peter or for him to be able to save me or for any of us is for him to die. It's not, it's not by trying harder. It's not by adding on a list of bigger rules of things we have to do or not do. It's not by believing that somehow we can muster up the strength to be good enough. It's not enough for Jesus to show us how to die. He has to die in our place. It's, it's not enough for him just to point out like somewhere over there the best way to live. He has to actually live that life for us on, on our behalf. And Peter, Peter got to see it. He experienced it. He, he experienced Jesus' forgiveness and restoration and, and calling into more, right? And he saw the death and resurrection. And that for Peter changed, changed everything. And it can change everything for us. For Peter does learn how to die. I mean, he would, he would be crucified some years later, upside down, actually, for his work as a pastor in that part of the world. But before his execution, he, he wrote these words, and I'll end with this. He says, he writes them to the church. He says, beloved, that's us. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice 
insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And after you have suffered a little while, his, that's what he said, right? That's what he called, this is just, this is a little, it's, it's only, and some of you, I know you're hurting deeply, you are suffering and it, it's destroying you inside, it has the potential to. Peter says, just for a little while, a little while longer, and the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts eager to be changed. God, I know how badly I need to hear these words and how painful they are to think about what Jesus calls us into, a, a life of, of being willing to say no to me and everything that I, that I so easily get sucked into wanting. Normal things, safety, comfort, happiness. God, I, I pray that you would protect our hearts and help us to see that what you call us into is even better. That what you have for us, you, you promise even more that any, any sacrifice we make will be made up. Any pain or heartache that we experience will be fulfilled. God, anything that we say no to, you will, you will somehow, in ways we may not even understand, you will satisfy us. God, help us to see beyond our 80 years, give or take. Help us to see that this is, this is a moment. And the best is yet to come. And God, let me just say as well, I am so thankful that you, Lord Jesus, you died for us knowing that we're, we're, just, we're not gonna be very good at any of this. We're gonna mess up along the way. We're gonna drift back into selfish thinking and living. And so God, we thank you that you Lord Jesus, you paid the price for our sins and that you walked out of the grave so that we can actually begin to embrace the life that you've called us to through the power of your Holy Spirit, alive and at work within your people. God, would you change us? Empower us. Help us to live as if we actually believe. Amen.